This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's drive time now. Welcome to Tribe Talk on the Cleveland Indians Radio Network. Tribe Talk is brought to you by Progressive, helping Indians fans save hundreds on car insurance. Welcome to Tribe Talk. Jim Rosenhouse along with you this weekend as we join you from Goodyear, Arizona and the Indians Spring Training Complex. Well, Spring Training heading into its third week of games now as we play this weekend here in Goodyear today and Peoria tomorrow. And believe it or not, as of Thursday, we were only three weeks away from opening day. It is coming fast. Unfortunately, saw a picture of Target Field late this week. And it was under snow. So hopefully that changes by the time the Indians and the Minnesota Twins open the season on March the 28th. But uh, things are are going smoothly here in spring training as we continue to roll right along. And a good show lined up for you today. We will hear from Tribe Manager Terry Francona, some of his late week thoughts on the ball club. We will also visit with Indians outfielder Greg Allen as well as hear from longtime Kansas City Royals voice Denny Matthews visiting with Tom Hamilton, and the stories that they were swapping were uh, pretty entertaining. So we hope you enjoy that too. Denny Matthews in his 51st season as a radio voice of the Kansas City Royals. But first, we had a chance to catch up with Brad Hand earlier this spring, the new Indians closer. Last season, splitting time between the Padres and the Tribe, Hand saved 32 games and certainly was a big boost to the Indians after he was acquired at the trade deadline. But he says this spring, a nice opportunity to really get to know the team after the hustle and bustle of a trade deadline deal a year ago. Yeah, for sure. I mean, spring training is kind of when you get to get get to know everybody uh, throughout the whole organization. So missing that part was... Um, you know, missing that part of the of the season is always tough, but it's, I mean, I'm glad to be here and meet all these new faces that you know I didn't get to meet uh, last year. And when you look back on last season, it, when you got done, did you kind of just take a deep breath and was it a, a real whirlwind season for you because of the trade? Yeah, it was. I mean, I feel like it went by super fast. Um, you know, my name had been talked about for a few years getting traded, and you know, it ended up happening last year. And um, you know, I'm happy to be here in Cleveland and. Um, yeah, so I'll be here for a few more years. Uh, I know the other day uh, Terry Francona mentioned you'd be the clo- you'd be the guy at the end of games. Does it matter to you when when a manager says that, or are you just here to pitch? Yeah, I mean I'm just here to pitch. Obviously, um, 
you know, our job down there in the bullpen is when it's hand, the ball's handed over us is to, you know, finish out the game and uh, get the win. So no matter what role you're pitching in, whatever inning you're pitching in, we all, you know, are going to have to have the same mindset. When, when that ball gets handed over to us, we got to finish this game and close it out. And from what you saw a year ago, what did you like from this team? I know there have been some changes in the offseason, but, but what do you like about this organization so far in, in very limited time for you? Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, as soon as I got over here, everybody here, you know, welcomed me um, and made the transition very easy for myself and my family. Um, you know, I think it's a big, you know, family kind of uh, oriented organization, and, and that made it easy for, you know, my wife and kids to come over and um, makes it easier on me if they're, you know, if they uh, have an easy transition, it makes it easier for me to just go out there and play for sure. Certainly a lot of talk in the offseason about the bullpen and, and what it will be like this season, how much success they can have. Uh, from what you've seen in the early stages of camp, what do you like down there? What do you see? Uh, we're just going to have a bunch of guys going out there and compete. Um, you know, obviously there's going to be some, some guys that are going to have to step up and pitch in, uh, you know, bigger type of roles that they've never pitched in. But, you know, that's the beauty of the game. Um, it's opportunity for, you know, guys to go out there and, and pitch in big, big situations and, you know, kind of solidify themselves in, you know, back into the bullpen type of role. Indians reliever Brad Hand joining us uh, background-wise. Uh, so many players who reach the major leagues, they're from the warm weather states and, and you're anything but uh, growing up in, in Minnesota. Uh, what was baseball like in, in Minnesota as a, a young player with, with the shorter season because of the weather? Yeah, I mean, I remember my first game my senior year, it was snowing, um, my first start, but I mean, we opened up there on March 28th. I'm trying to think when that start was probably after March 28th, so it might be snowing on March 28th, but um, you know, all, everybody growing up played hockey, and I played hockey, but you know, during during the fall or whatever, everybody would be traveling all over the place playing hockey for, you know, different club teams and whatever, but I would be traveling all over the place and playing baseball and doing that kind of stuff. So I think I kind of found out at a you know, semi-early stage that baseball was going to be you know, better for me, but um, you know, I always loved playing hockey growing up. You mentioned that, and, and you played through high school. Uh, what type of player were you in terms of um, position and, and the type of player you were? Yeah, I was a right wing. Um, I wasn't like the best skater, I would say, compared to some of those guys growing up. A lot of those guys uh, in Minnesota are really good. Um, I was just, you know, bigger than everybody, I felt like. So I would just kind of throw myself in front of the net and, you know, pick up the garbage out there and, you know, try to try to put a few pucks away. Penalty minutes? Did, it, did you pick up any penalty minutes? Uh, I'd say I, I had a, quite a few penalty minutes. <laughs> <laughs> when, uh, when you look back on it, um, Interesting, the transition between the two. Uh, did it help baseball in any way in terms of, of physically and, and some of the conditioning that you do for hockey? Did, was there a carry over there? Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, um, you know, you, a, lot of, a lot of hockey players have strong legs and stuff like that. So um, I'm sure that it helped me out in other, you know, aspects than just, you know, hockey. Um, hand-eye coordination it's one of those things where you're on ice you're skating and you got to move and puck and um, so I just I don't know I just felt like it helped out in other things for sure and when it comes to baseball in, in the Minneapolis area obviously the the biggest name and he just retired is Joe Maurer uh, grew up there and had a great year uh, the great career with the twins uh, 
as someone who, who followed him by several years, what impact did, did he have on you and, and was it someone that you followed and, and looked up to a little bit as a young baseball player? Yeah, for sure. Growing up in Minnesota, uh, if you don't know who Joe Maurer is, you kind of, you know, everybody knows who Joe Maurer is. So um, he was one of the big guys when I was coming up through high school that, you know, I, I followed and uh, I was a Twins fan growing up. So um, he was my guy. And finally, I don't remember when it was, probably Whenever I was in San Diego, we played against the Twins for the first time, and I, and I faced Joe. And um, you know, I'm not a big guy to get like jerseys signed or sent over. And he was the first jersey that I got and sent it over, and had him sign it for me. And he wrote a, a nice little note on there for me. So it's kind of cool that I get to uh, you know face him and play against him for you know at the back end of his career. Bigger thrill for you, or maybe for others in your family. Um, <laughs> I don't know. They, I mean, they th they probably think it's cool, but um, you know, it's just it's just an honor just to be out to be out there with them and share the same field as with them. Uh, growing up as a kid, and as a, as a guy that I really idolized. Circling back um, to this year's team, uh, obviously the early stages of spring training, a chance to get to know everybody. Um, what do you think as far as being part of a team that has those pennant aspirations that are legit? maybe compared to some of the teams that you broke spring training with before that, that were in rebuilding stages and things like that? Yeah, it's definitely different. Um, you know, coming in and being on a winning team, it's, you know, a different kind of feel. We're preparing to, you know, win and play into October. So um, it's going to be fun. It's going to be my first time in a spring training like this, so it's going to be a little different for me as well. But, um, you know, it's a little different squad this year. Um, some new faces around, but, uh, you know, we still all have the same goal in mind. That's Indians closer Brad Hand. A pretty good background for him. A lot of different things going on for him growing up and uh, now relied upon at the back end of the bullpen for the Tribe as their closer. Stay tuned. We'll visit with Indians outfielder Greg Allen when we continue after this timeout on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network. Welcome back to Tribe Talk. Jim Rosenhouse along with you from Goodyear, Arizona, the Tribe Spring Training Complex. And don't forget, if you want to tune into this show, you can do so where you are right now if you're listening on the radio as uh, your participating Indians Radio Network station carries our show each week, usually mid-afternoon in, in spring training here prior to the Tribe Spring Training game. And today that means a broadcast against the Colorado Rockies coming up shortly. Also, you can check it out on Indians.com. They have all the archived editions there. And iTunes, you can download it as a podcast, and that way you can listen to it whenever you like. Well, the Indians outfield picture still clouded, but starting to come together somewhat. And a young man who's had a good spring after a solid season a year ago, young outfielder Greg Allen, who was up and back between AAA and the major leagues five different times a season ago. And now here he is in spring training, where he has been, for the most part, for more than a month, dating back to mid-January. And he says there's a, a lot of good reasons to spend a good portion of his offseason right here in Goodyear. Yeah, I think for me it's just uh, it's just tough to beat the resources that we have here. Um, you know, the access to the cages, the weight room. Uh, we have a kitchen staff, trainers that are you know on call for us. So. Um, it's really kind of a one-stop shop, uh, especially with it being, you know, not so far away from home for me. San Diego is only about four or five hours away, so 
um, to be able to come out here a few weeks early, a month or so early, um, just kind of settle in and get some solid work in, uh, you know, it really seems to be helpful. Now, if you live in the north, obviously coming out here is a, a good thing. You mentioned San Diego. What are some of the challenges, though, that you have trying to get your work in when you're at home? Yeah, um, you know, part of it uh, is, is, is obviously, you know, you want to be able to spend time with family, friends, especially since you're away for, for you know, so long throughout the year. Um, and and, and at, at the same time, it, it can be a little tough just popcorning around and get all your work done. So whether, you know, you're lifting at one place, going to hit and throw at another, um, get your defensive work in. So like I said, coming here kind of, you know, provides that one-stop shop. Um, you do get to spend a little less time, you know, at home with the family and friends as, as you would if you were to stay home. But um, again, for me, you know, you're, you're, you're investing your time, your effort, and your focus in your career. Um, and, and at that point, sometimes, you know, certain sacrifices have to be made. When you look at, at last season, um, just continual growth for you and to the point where by the end of the year, you were a major leaguer and, and, and doing real well. Um, a couple of takeaways for you from that season that, that you think pushed you and allowed you to, to be successful your last time you were called up. What, what do you think were the keys? I think for me, uh, just the overall time and experience, um, learning how to you know process and navigate both the good and the bad, um, especially being you know in environments such as that where sometimes um, things can definitely start to speed up on you, um, uh, both mentally and physically. Uh, so I think for me, it was just eventually having a chance to just kind of take a breath. Um, you know, trust uh, in, in the work and preparation that I put in um, and understand that, yes, well, on a daily basis, there is a, a, an element of trying to prove yourself. Um, when, when, when that takes priority over just playing the game, um, you'll find it, you know, probably harder for yourself than what it needs to be. So, um, you know, just, 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 again, having confidence and belief that, you know, I had the ability to compete and perform at that level. You were up and back five different times, which means there's time spent in Tito's office where he's giving you news that's not good. Um, but sometimes it's how a player handles that that can really lay the groundwork for good things later on. Um, take us inside. What is that like when, when you're given that news and, and how do you handle it to make sure that, that it worked to your advantage down the road? Yeah, and I think um, through life you have experiences and I think a lot of it it's not necessarily you know what the negative or positive impacts of those things are, but more so how we respond or handle them. Um, so I think for me, it was always trying to find you know some kind of takeaway. Um, um, and, and at times where the news wasn't you know what I would like, or if I was being sent down, um, it's, it's really finding a way to you know positively respond to that. Make sure that um, you know that time that I do spend down, or you know however it works out, that I'm finding ways to get better. Um, you know, learning from, from my past experiences and um, again, if it's, you know, bad news, finding, finding a way to, you know, cor correct those errors, those faults. Um, we're trying to make sure that I'm, you know, always pressing forward and moving forward. This spring, um, anything in particular that, that you're working on that you think could put you in a real good spot here coming into the season? I think for me it's just overall, uh, you know, consistency um, in all parts of my game, you know, hitting defense, running the bases. I think the more consistent I'm able to be, um, you know, uh, at a high level uh, is, 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 is what we're all striving to do and the best in the game do it. Um, you know, fortunately for me, I've had a chance to be around, you know, some, some, some stellar talent and athletes, um, both guys that are still here and guys that, you know, uh, have moved on since then. But um, so I think having a chance to learn from them and understand what it's like um, to, you know, to be a major leaguer and, and what it takes, you know, to, to stay at this level and compete at this level and to be at the top of your game. Um, a lot of it just goes into, you know, you know how consistent they can be. Um, 
both in their play on the field and also you know in their in, in, in their habits and the work that they put in off of it. You've been here uh, during times where the Indians have, have been in pennant races and and uh, going to the postseason. Um, and there's been some changes this offseason. What's it been like so far very early on in spring training in terms of getting to know new players? And, and what are your thoughts heading into the season in terms of um, what this team potentially could be, maybe even more so than, than a lot of people think? Yeah, you know, I think despite the you know additions or subtractions we might have had uh, the past couple of years, this past offseason, I think our goal uh, still remains the same. You know, we have one sole focus, and that's to win the World Series. Um, and, and again, the past few years, we've, we've um, you know, kind of tiptoed around that and gotten a little, you know, close, but, you know, we still haven't been able to fulfill that. So, um, you know, even, even with the new faces that we might have, you know, that standard and that expectation for us, I think, remains the same. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty exciting, you know, having these new faces and, and, and hopefully, you know, having a team that comes together, um, you know, kind of pulling on the same side of the road for that goal. So uh, it's, 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 it's going to be fun, I think, more than anything, allowing ourselves to make each other better, you know, finding ways to make the guy next to you better. Um, that's a lot, you know, what we talk about, you know, especially these, uh, these first few days, these first few weeks of spring, kind of bringing everybody together. Um, and we get it. We're, we're aware of it. There's X number of players here. There's X number of spots. Um, so at the, you know, at the end of spring, you know, we probably won't have all these same people with us. But um, I think as a whole, if we can start to set that culture, that precedent, um, then things will play out well for us. That's Indians outfielder Greg Allen, who has had an outstanding spring following up that good stretch down the stretch last year for the Tribe in the regular season. And look for him to force his way into that outfield picture on opening day. Stay tuned. We'll have more to come after this timeout as Tribe Talk rolls on from Goodyear, Arizona, and Tribe Spring Training after this timeout on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network. Welcome back to Tribe Talk. Jim Rosenhouse back with you from the Indian Spring Training Complex in Goodyear, Arizona. Great to have you along with us this weekend as the Tribe gets ready to take on the Colorado Rockies right here in Goodyear. Later on on this Saturday afternoon, a 3.05 first pitch. Drive on the road tomorrow. They'll be up in Peoria as their spring training continues here in the Cactus League. Well, last weekend... And uh, we're not sure if, if you had a chance to tune in to our game on Sunday. The Indians were playing the Kansas City Royals. And one of the fun things when the Indians play the Royals for us is to visit with Denny Matthews, who has been the play-by-play -play voice for Kansas City since they started. He is in his 51st season as a play-by-play -play announcer for the Kansas City Royals. If he hasn't seen it, it hasn't happened. He really has been and seen it all, uh, a couple of World Series titles with Kansas City, including most recently in 2015. And during our broadcast the other day, uh, Denny just happened to wander in to ask an innocent question, and about 15 minutes later, <laughs> he, he finally could leave the booth as uh, Tom Hamilton saw him standing there uh, waiting to answer or ask a question during a commercial break. We never quite got to that point, but uh, he had some great stories. Uh, he's a funny guy, and... We decided let's replay that for the fans who might not have been listening to the ball game last Sunday. So as a part of Tribe Talk this week, here's Tom Hamilton and Denny Matthews. One is in the Hall of Fame already. Who knows about the other? You never know. Maybe 
but uh, it was a lot of fun. Let's listen. So you were there for the first yes. year in Kansas City, right? Correct. Which Correct. was what, 69? 69. Wow. Lou Pinella. Yeah, rookie of the year. Was he the rookie of the year? He was. And that's a rookie of the year. You got him in the expansion draft, right? No, we got him in a trade the second to last day of spring training. You're kidding. Yep. From whom? He had been with Washington and Cleveland and Baltimore in their systems. I think we got him from Cleveland. You guys could have had him. Wow. Yeah. That sounds like the Indians of the 60s. Woulda, coulda, shoulda, right? True. Very true. See, Greg Nettles ended up in New York. He wasn't bad. Yeah. But we got Kekich and Peterson. That was a big get. (laughs) Yeah. We got one of them, I guess. Peterson, I think Kekich stayed. Our trip to Central Florida was ill-fated. We How had, long were you there? You, you, you loved long. Fort Myers, right? Oh, it was wonderful. Wonderful. Yeah, but we moved to Central Florida, and they had an old beaten-down amusement park, and they put a baseball stadium with it, and they tried to dress up the amusement park. They advertised it as boardwalk. They put a little boardwalk between the amusement park. They had an old Ferris wheel and a thing that went around and spun, and that was it. Those were the two rides. And then they had a really nice ballpark. But... It was called Boardwalk and Baseball. So we were supposed to say, fans, come down to Boardwalk and Baseball. You can ride a ride and see a game. I mean, it was a tremendous promotion. Well, nobody came down. So the next year, I started calling it Boredom and Baseball because nobody showed up. (laughs) Well, nobody showed up at the amusement park. So they closed it. And then the next year, it was Boarded Up and Baseball. (laughs) So it was not good. And then we... Decided to come to Arizona. And nobody asked you to be on their Chamber of Commerce, huh? <laughs> no. <laughs> or, or be the promotions guy for the amusement park. Well, we kept saying, now we had no choice. We had to go to Winter Haven because the hurricane wiped out Homestead. The Indians are going to make a pitching change, but we're not going anywhere. But we are joined by the iconic voice of the Royals. Put your headset back where, on, Denny. Where are you going? We're we're. <laughs> We're paying you a gift certificate, and you're going to get a free ride at Boredom and Boardwalk. But Denny Matthews, the Hall of Fame broadcaster for the Royals, you know, you think of Kansas City, it's one of our favorite stops. I mean, if folks haven't been to Kansas City, it's just a great Midwestern city. But when I think of Kansas City, Denny, I think Lenny Dawson and George Brett. It's like two icons that two franchises still hold on to and cherish, don't they? Absolutely. Yeah, Len Dawson was the quarterback when the Chiefs won the Super Bowl. I think it was Super Bowl four, beat Minnesota. And then the Royals succeeding the A's who left town. Yeah. And Kansas City was without baseball for one year, 68, because the A's left after the 67 season. And Charlie Finley picked a great spot to go from Kansas City to Oakland. And I still haven't figured that one out. There's a little town about 15 miles outside of Kansas City called Peculiar, Missouri. And Charlie wanted to move the A's from Kansas City to Peculiar. <laughs> but, but Charlie was peculiar in his own right. <laughs> so he decided then and made a tremendous decision to go to Oakland. And you guys know how that one's worked out. You know, I don't even know who's pitching, Rosie. It's R.C. Orland. Well, how wouldn't we know that? <laughs> Match but, up, Lefty. But I, I got to bring this up. That hopefully the ending doesn't end on this pitch. It never 
fails, it usually does. <laughs> Here it comes, a swing and a foul back, two and one. But you were a good college football player, and you went to camp with the team I grew up with, right, Pack? I was invited after my sophomore year of football at Illinois Westland. It's a major football powerhouse, as you know. I was invited to go to Green Bay and work out with the Packers. This is during their summertime mm -hmm. exhibition season, August, for three days. As a sophomore, you yes. did this? Yes. The dean of students. How at, were you allowed to do that? Well, the, the dean of students at Illinois Westland was a good friend with one of Vince Lombardi's coaches, assistant coaches. And they talked about I had never played in high school, and I finished eighth in the nation in pass receiving, small college. And I was a Green Bay Packer fan. And he said, do you think Denny could come up and watch your practices two or three days? And I think it was Norb Hecker who was a defensive backfield yeah. coach. And he wrote back or called the dean of students at Westland and said, better yet, tell him to bring some shoes and sweatpants and a jersey. And after the regular practice, some guys stay out late. And he can run pass patterns and catch passes, and we can help him out or give him some tips. What so I year? did that for three days. It would have been 1964. Oh, my gosh, that's in the middle of their – they're about to run off three straight championships. Yeah, they were pretty good. <laughs> Who was throwing you the passes? Zeke Bratkowski. Wow. And there was a rookie out of Nebraska, Dennis Claridge was oh his name. Oh, my gosh. And those two. But so I, did you – Herb Adderley to shame and Willie Wood. Well, I turned him inside out. <laughs> no, but it's funny you bring up Herb Adderley's name because I talked to him and he said, "What I, I'll, I'll give you one tip. Run a pattern, run right at the defensive back, go up as close to him as you can before you break off your pattern because it gives him less time to react. So Herb Adderley's advice to a kid? Yeah, don't break off your pattern three or four yards in front of him because he can react to which way you're going. Go up to him as close as you can. You'll freeze him and wow. then break off your pattern. You know, all these fans back in Cleveland are saying, I don't want to hear about the Packers. <laughs> well, you have to, folks, because I'm from Wisconsin. I have the mic. That's right. <laughs> what was it like being around Vince Lombardi? I met him the final day, and uh, they took me up to his office. The practice had ended by that time, and I was scared to death, but he was so kind. He was so nice. I only talked to him for about two minutes. He said, I hope you've enjoyed your, your trip here. He said, I, I hope you've learned something. I want you to remember one thing. Football is a very short span of your life. Enjoy it as best you can. He said, enjoy your last two years of college football. Just work hard and have a good time. Thank you, Mr. Lombardi. And I was out of there as fast as I could go. Can you but imagine that nice. happening today I don't, with an NFL coach? No, no, no. I, no, I can't even fathom that. But it was wow. it was a wonderful experience because I I revered those guys. Yeah. I was watching. Oh, those were the great teams. Oh, my gosh. I can still name the starters both offensively and defensively. Me too. You know? Tom Fears was their offensive end coach. Mm -hmm. So I worked. I talked to him. I talked to Herb Adderley. I talked to the defensive backfield coach. And uh, they just gave me some great wow. info. Wow. And that would have been in the summer of 64? Correct. And that was the year the Packers would not get to the NFL title game. The Browns that year won yes. the championship right. against Baltimore. That was one of the few years Green Bay didn't get into the, the playoffs. Of course, back then, 
Yeah, two teams play for the title. Right. That was the year Paul Horning and Alex Karras were That's suspended right. for betting. Yeah. You know, in, in that group, <laughs> I'm working in Appleton, had a talk show, had Max McGee on, and he was living in Minneapolis at the time, and Max, of course, was one of the guys that was a wide receiver for Green Bay and probably should have been Super Bowl MVP, and Bart Starr got it instead. All of a sudden, the phone goes silent. You're doing a talk show, and you can hear the phone crumble almost. Sounded like an earthquake. <laughs> the pitch down low, 3-0. and Max comes back on the air, and he goes, I want to apologize, Tom, to you and your fans, but add a beer in one hand and the phone in the other, and I'm sure as heck not dropping the beer. <laughs> that's, that's great. It's just a different era, and oh, we were totally. lucky enough to live through it. I'll tell you what. Yeah, and I met him, and I have my picture taken with him. Wow. All right, Denny, you think back to it. I mean, professionally getting into the Hall of Fame, it's an incredible honor that you received. What what was, what were you more nervous about, the Hall of Fame speech or, or meeting Vince Lombardi and, and practicing against the Packers? No contest, Vince. Really? <laughs> yeah, no. That the Hall of Fame thing is—it's a little different now, but they had more people there because Ripken went in mm-hmm. the year that I did, Tony Gwynn and Ripken, and they had more people there. There were ninety-five thousand people in front of us, and there's eighty-three Hall of Famers on the stage behind you, so it's a bit of a daunting experience getting yep. up there and trying to talk. But uh, once you start, Tom Seaver introduced me. And wow. uh, we talked before we went up on stage, and he said, how do you feel? And I, it was funny because I could equate it with playing football in college. I said, you build up all week for the game. Mm-hmm. Runner goes, throw to second, a beauty, and Haas got him. So I told him, I said, this is really like college football. You build up for the week. Today is game day. How about and, that? And it was. Yeah. All of this started with baseball and boardwalk. Did we answer your question that you came in here for? <laughs> I forgot what it was. It's not important you now. You had a serious question. Uh, there. I really, yeah, it was very serious. Thanks for the stroll down memory lane. That was, that was phenomenal. Well, thanks for inviting me into your home. Yeah, this was nice. That's Tom Hamilton and Denny Matthews, the longtime play-by-play voice of the Kansas City Royals in his 51st season. And uh, he has had quite a career behind the mic in KC. Stay tuned. When we return, we'll have our final segment of Tribe Talk. We'll listen in to some of the recent thoughts of Tribe Manager Terry Francona as we get deeper into spring training here in Goodyear on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network. Welcome back to Tribe Talk. Jim Rosenhouse back with you from Indian Spring Training in Goodyear, Arizona. And some hard news of the week, the Indians on Friday made their first roster moves of the spring in terms of cutting down the roster a bit as they have optioned Bobby Bradley to AAA Columbus. A tough spring for Bradley. He injured his shoulder early on, didn't see much action in games, and uh, certainly disappointing for him. I'm sure he wanted to come in and be able to impress once again during spring training, but just didn't get that opportunity. This way he heads out to the minor league side and will begin preparations to be a triple-A Columbus this season. Also sent out left-handed pitcher Sam Henches, who was very impressive for the Tribe in a couple of starts, and also right-handed pitcher 
Giancarlos Mejia. They have both been optioned to Double A Akron, but uh, keep Hench's name on your radar as that could be someone that the Indians look at down the road even this season late in the year, if indeed he puts together another strong season at the minor league level. And reassigned to minor league camp, right-handed pitcher Xiao Ching Chang, catcher Li Jen Chu, pitcher Rob Kaminsky, and pitcher R.C. Orlin all going to minor league camp. And yesterday, Terry Francona met with the Cleveland media and national media as well to talk about some of the moves yesterday, particularly Bobby Bradley. We'll get to that in just a moment. He also filled us in on uh, the work of Jeffrey Rodriguez, Leonis Martin, who's had an impressive spring, and Danny Salazar as well. But first up, the situation with Bobby Bradley. I think he feels like he maybe got a little too lean last year. This year maybe went the other way a little bit. I think there's a happy medium, and he understands that. We had a pretty honest conversation with him about it tried to explain to him that we're not trying to beat him over the head. We care and we want him to have the best chance to succeed. So he understands what's in front of him. Do you know you've gotten a chance to see Leonis for a little while longer in this team. What do you think of his work ethic? Well he's fine. You don't have to you don't have to push him. I think for yeah. one, I think he's so happy to be back that mm-hmm. you know he's just enjoying doing what he's doing. He's had a really good spring to this point. You know, it's nice when the balls hit the center field, you know, you're not, they're out. That's a good feeling. On a good team, That's you need to have that. What are you about to Jeffrey Rodriguez so far this spring? Big arm. Um, hasn't pitched a ton at the higher levels, you know, even when he got to the major leagues. There's a lot to like. Repetition will be huge for him. How nice is that? Henry, he's had he's been one of our, I don't want to say a surprise, but one of the real pleasures of spring training, not just the way he's thrown the ball, but his demeanor, the way he's gone out and attacked the strike zone, quiet kid but confident, and you know he came so far last year, he went to all all levels of the minor leagues in a hurry, and it looks like he's on a really good path. Tito, with uh, Danny being at 150 feet today. And he's saying that he has felt no pain. There's nothing. Do you see him coming back before the All-Star break? I wouldn't. I wouldn't do that to him. Do I don't think okay. it's fair to him. Um, we're really pleased that he seems pleased. Yes. That's the most important thing. You know, we can say whatever we want. He's the one that has to do it. And when he starts to get excited about how he's feeling then it allows us to get a little bit excited. But to put a time frame on, that's not fair to anybody, and especially Danny. I know you said earlier this week, someone like Oscar Mercado, who you know can play defense and has speed and surprised a little bit, maybe hit a little bit better than what you expected coming in. Is someone like Daniel Johnson like in that similar boat as, as Oscar? Yeah, I mean, Oscar's been to AAA, so he's, you know, he's a level beyond uh, Daniel had, I think, 350-something at-bats in double-A and had the ham eight, so he missed some time. But there's so much to like about him, you know, work ethic, the kind of kid he is. You know, it just, you know, when you see him play well and you see it's man, you say, whoa, that's what that could be. Now, there has to be some, you know, they grow into consistency. They grow into being able to sit back on an off-speed pitch. But you can't teach guys to hit a fastball. If they can't get to a fastball, they, they can't get to it. Guys that can get to a fastball, you can teach them. It takes time sometimes, 
but to be able to hit an off-speed pitch or breaking ball, or even to lay off. But a guy that can hit a fastball makes you, it allows you to dream a little bit. That's Tribe Manager Terry Francona with his um, daily meeting with the media yesterday to talk about a variety of subjects as we get deeper and deeper into spring training camp. Believe it or not, as of last Thursday, we are only now three weeks out from opening day in Minneapolis. That's going to do it for this week's edition of Tribe Talk. Thanks so much for tuning in. Thanks to Brian Matze for putting together our show back at our network studios. Until next week when we join you once again from Tribe Spring Training in Goodyear, Arizona, this is Jim Rosenhouse reminding you that you've been listening to Tribe Talk on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network. Talk on the Cleveland Indians Radio Network has been brought to you by Progressive, helping Indians fans save hundreds on car insurance. Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox, and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So, why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion championship team.